Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 78 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a discussion of ethical companies and proactive measures to mitigate organizational Me Too risks. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. Before we get started, two points. First, please subscribe to our podcast and rate the podcast to help let other compliance professionals know about the podcast. Second, I wanted to mention that my law firm, the Volkoff Law Group, provides ethics and compliance program services, including proactive complaint, internal investigation, and speak-up culture strategies. We have extensive experience in this area and help companies ensure that they maintain effective reporting and incident management systems, implement appropriate internal investigation protocols and practices, and develop messaging and policies designed to embed a speak-up culture. If interested in our services in this area, please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Well, uh, I wanted to turn today to uh, really the a major issue, obviously, for corporations these days, and that is uh, the impact of the Me Too culture and the increased reporting or hopefully increased willingness to report um, sexual misconduct, that being harassment, sexual assault, uh, incidents, and other things related to this area. Um, and I think it's about time that you know, we have a discussion in the uh, ethics and compliance field about how to address these issues, how to uh, make sure that we proactively address these issues, because the risks and the impact of such controversies are obviously significant. We've seen some major corporate governance failures around this issue, uh, going back to Uber, uh, Google recently with the walkout, CBS with Len Move, Les Move, Moonvase. Uh, I mean, we have other horrible examples of like the U.S. gymnastics team and the failure to deal with issues there. And let's be honest, the U.S. Congress uh, with uh, incidents that occurred over the years, just to name a few of the many uh, controversies that we've seen. I haven't even touched on Hollywood or some of the other high-profile allegations and complaints that have been made, uh, let alone our, uh, the recent Supreme Court justice uh, nomination hearing. So this is an issue that is having a big impact across all companies. Um, and to me, if there was ever a compelling argument for ethics and compliance professionals to sort of reiterate the importance of, the, of a culture of ethics, now is the time. Companies have to recognize that promoting and managing their culture is one of several important measures to prevent all and detect uh, improper sexual harassment, discrimination, sexual assault incidents, uh, and making sure that these are prevented, but also importantly detected and reported uh, and reported and then investigated and then appropriate discipline uh, is handed out to make sure that accountability exists. And as I often say, a company has to demonstrate its commitment to its code of conduct, not only by its words, but by its actions. And protecting a company's culture cannot be accomplished by avoiding legal and compliance issues. The goal has to be higher, a corporate conduct standard of personal conduct that treats individual employees with respect and dignity. 
Um, that is not too much to require. It's a basic standard, in my view, that companies can and should achieve. Just take a look at what happened with uh, Google in terms of the impact that this had. Uh, Google suffered uh, serious reputational and business harm when its staff around the world staged an unprecedented series of walkouts to protest the company's treatment of women. In particular, Google was mishandling allegations of sexual misconduct or ignoring them. And at the same time, when they involved some senior executives, they provided hefty severance payouts to these executives who were forced to leave Google in response to credible allegations of sexual misconduct. According to a New York Times press report, there were 48 other incidents of sexual misconduct that resulted in the departure of various employees. Uh, And now these employees did not get payouts, but nonetheless, uh, there was obviously indications of a culture problem at Google. uh, And notwithstanding the obvious sensitivity and significance of these incidents, Uh, Google failed to react, failed to address the threats to its culture. Um, And if you want a perfect example of a head-in-the-sand governance failure, uh, Google is one of many that can be cited. Now, across the states, uh, and I'm sure many of you are aware of this, California and New York, for example, have enacted comprehensive policies and requirements on sexual harassment issues. New York companies have until October 2019 to implement training programs. Uh, California bolstered its long-mandated sexual harassment training program requirement uh, to extend to uh, smaller companies and uh, and also to include seasonal workers. Uh, Delaware recently enacted a new sexual harassment training law, which became effective January 2019. The Delaware law imposes training requirements on employers with at least uh, 50 employees. Other states are expected to follow the lead of California, New York, and Delaware. For example, Maine already has a training requirement for companies that have 15 supervisors or more, and Connecticut requires training for employers with uh, 50 or more employees. The New York law uh, requires a company to adopt a sexual harassment prevention policy and to distribute it in writing. And the New York law also prohibits employers from requiring non-disclosure provisions to settle sexual harassment claims with certain exceptions. While training is an important part of an overall risk mitigation strategy, much more is required. Uh, Two principles are critical to an overall uh, anti-sexual misconduct strategy. One is leadership, and the other is, of course, accountability. Um, And it's really important for a company's uh, culture to maintain a respectful workplace and a a strong organizational culture, both of which are supported and affirmed by uh, a high-quality ethics and compliance program. You're always going to have bad actors. I'm not saying some companies have more than others, but from a compliance perspective, we're always dealing with the fact that we're going to have some bad actors. In organizations large and small, there are always outliers who surface in even the strongest cultures. And in the, in the Me Too risk area, um, we have to try to implement best practices to create a respectful workplace 
standardize our investigative reviews and uh, impose uh, accountability and discipline in an unbiased way. So from top to bottom, we have to have clear and precise policies. We should try to leverage our company's core values, train and raise awareness, uh, support equal opportunity and performance management, identify high-risk individuals, um, provide safe confidential steps in place, you know, or steps that are or avenues that are available for reporting acts that violate company policies and make sure that we have consistent review of all wrongdoing and misconduct and most important, well, not most importantly, but just to emphasize accountability when wrongdoing occurs. When allegations of misconduct occur, there should be no question as to whether the ethics and compliance program offered safe recourse for employees, along with and obviously working closely here with the HR department. There should also be no gray area or room for interpretation in how violations are defined. In other words, you need to have clear standards and you need to enforce those standards in a consistent way. So how do we proactively address the handling and the prevention of sexual misconduct issues uh, and also make sure that if any complaints come in, that uh, we do so in a way to avoid or to, to prevent any potential harm to our culture. Well, it always starts with a commitment to the issue and a corporate board and senior management involvement. As you would expect, a company's commitment begins with the board and senior management, and that requires two things, communications and conduct, two things that are important, not just messaging, but conduct. In this respect, companies should revisit their policies and procedures and promote diversity initiatives, workplace conduct expectations, uh, conduct new and innovative training programs, and foster the speak-up culture where concerns and incidents are reported to supervisors uh, and employee concern avenues. Um, an important aspect of the controversies that I mentioned and also a lot of the high-profile ones has been a failure to act on the part of senior management. Uh, and senior management has to themselves be held accountable here. In, uh, it, when senior management does not respond to senior serious concerns about senior, other senior executive conduct, for example, in the Google case or in the CBS case, and there's a lack of organizational justice surrounding the investigation and resolution of sexual misconduct incidents, that is a recipe for disaster. So what's important is to have a robust, consistent investigative uh, protocol that, that is documented, communicated, and transparently made available and scrupulously followed to ensure that incidents are properly investigated and reviewed. So this has to be, this, is, this raises the stakes significantly on the manner in which these investigations are conducted and in particular if they in, involve senior executives, senior managers in the company. It is critical uh, in this respect, uh, and this is an issue that uh, if you followed uh, my writing or podcasts, you know that I think it's very important for companies to create and empower an independent internal investigation committee. Uh, and this committee would consist of representatives from legal, compliance, HR, 
uh, finance, uh, senior management, you know, from the C-suite, uh, to review, monitor, and ultimately resolve allegations and incidents of sexual misconduct. Now, um, in general, I think it's a good idea to have such a committee uh, reviewing all potential uh, investigations. Obviously, they're not going to get involved in day-to-day routine investigations. You know, the 80% of HR issues that don't man require some type of investigation or controversial issue. But this independent committee should re- should have oversight authority over the uh, internal investigation function but it should get involved in terms of on any major issues or significant issues. They should uh, oversee the sort of uh, carrying out of the investigation that it's done in a timely and fair way. And then ultimately, they should be the ones to impose the discipline. Um, and this is important because this ensures consistency. This ensures that a senior executive is not going to be uh, giving out the discipline to a colleague who's another senior executive and probably trying to avoid uh, imposing serious discipline. So the independent committee at the senior executive level of relevant officers, including uh, representatives from those functions that I mentioned, uh, is uh, really critical because in numerous high-profile incidents companies basically failed to exercise proper oversight, investigation, and consistent resolutions involving the senior executives, particularly in comparison to other violators who commit sexual misconduct at supervisory and employee levels. The the disparate treatment of violators who engage in sexual misconduct has an absolute corrosive impact on a company's culture. And I mean, it comes down to the fact that in a number of the high-profile Me Too scandals, there's been an unwillingness of corporate executives to hold other executives accountable. And this is just something that cannot go uh, go on. And they've been also unwilling to impose, um, you know, financial penalties. So uh, companies find it hard to acknowledge and address sexual misconduct issues, but that has to change that sort of attitude. And I think it is changing, but I think there needs to be more uh, that has to be done. You know, as allegations of sexual misconduct increase and are substantiated within the overall corporate landscape, companies have to recognize uh, the corrosive impact of that and the need to remediate and to apply and uh, allocate resources to address the problem. Remember that in Google's case, there were a large number of sexual misconduct incidents which was having a significant negative impact on Google's culture beyond the treatment of just the, um, uh, the excuses that were made for the various senior executives who were given lucrative uh, severance packages. Um, and uh, Uber had uh, similar problems. Uh, in any company that does, uh, they have to be, you have to stick to one important principle, that violators have to be held uh, accountable, disciplined, and terminated when appropriate. And violators cannot be rewarded with large severance payouts or non-disclosure hush agreements among corporate managers and board members. 
So many companies are employing uh, interesting strategies in trying to make sure that this sort of speak-up culture or that these types of allegations are raised and adequately responded to. And some companies have been mandating that any manager or supervisor who learns of a sexual harassment allegation, whether made directly by an employee or some, by someone else, uh, or they observed it, that they report the, uh, the, the manager or supervisor is required to report the allegation immediately to human resources for follow-up. If, in fact, uh, an allegation or an incident occurs and it turns out that the, that the manager or supervisor knew about it and didn't report it, they are then disciplined. So the, the idea is to mandate that managers or supervisors who learn of such a, an allegation report it, uh, and they're under a mandatory requirement with regard to, the, to this. Um, there are lots of comprehensive solutions here, and I, uh, which I've mentioned some of them in terms of training, speaking up, uh, making sure your, uh, your proactive strategy uh, is in place. Um, and many companies, I think, are trying to look more creatively at education, not just training people, but uh, developing sort of tools that can be used to audit and measure sort of workplace environments. In other words, uh, going in and conducting spot interviews, for example. How do you feel, uh, you know, guaranteeing anonymity in surveys, doing focus groups in uh, particular areas, and addressing these types of issues on a proactive basis. But remember that uh, proactive solutions are really helpful in that you can identify problems before they get worse, um, and there are good best practices surrounding this to prevent any problems from occurring. Uh, the issue has to be addressed early and proactively in order to protect uh, a company's culture. As part of a new proactive strategy, senior leaders, supervisors, spokespersons have to emphasize that the importance of reporting alleged incidents, the no-tolerance view with regard to uh, policy with regard to such incidents, and a commitment to investigate and hold those violators accountable. The infrastructure of policies, controls, resources, and transparency is a critical value here are, such, are essential requirements for such a strategy uh, to ultimately succeed. Well, those are just some thoughts in terms of as you look at this issue and monitor, for example, how many complaints you have coming in that address these types of allegations, sexual misconduct, be it harassment, discrimination, uh, is usually related to that sometimes, and we also have um, uh, uh, sexual assaults that occur. And so all of this has to be uh, addressed uh, in, uh, in a comprehensive approach. And so monitor your, your complaints and the concerns that are coming in, uh, and then uh, build your policies and build your proactive strategies uh, as soon as you can in this area. It's a very hot topic for obvious reasons. There's a lot of risk and reputational risk as well as legal risks that are involved these days. If interested in, uh, in any type of way we can support you in this area in training, investigations, conducting, uh, designing an internal investigation program to make sure that these types of issues are addressed, please let me know uh, and contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Thanks.
Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At Ethical Companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.volkoflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our new podcast series. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals.